This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Osea and their best-selling Undaria Algae Body Oil. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Hulu's new romantic comedy, Rye Lane, follows Dom and Yaz, two South Londoners who meet in the restroom of an art show and wind up spending the day together. And it's a pretty eventful day. It's a day of adventures and long conversations and terrible exes, too. But it might just offer them a little bit of hope for the future. I'm Aisha Harris. And I'm Linda Holmes. And today we're talking about the movie Rye Lane on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, is now streaming on Hulu. From WABE Studios, the podcast where they read stories is a new children's storytelling podcast featuring notable Atlantans and performers reading classic and contemporary children's books. Each episode contains a story meant to entertain, inspire, and inform young listeners. No screens required. Listen to the podcast where they read stories on WABE, part of the NPR Podcast Network. Joining us today is podcast producer and film and culture critic Kate Young. Welcome back to the show, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me. Also joining us is film critic and senior film programmer at the Jacob Burns Film Center, Monica Castillo. Welcome back, Monica. Thrilled to be back. Thank you. So Rye Lane is a snappy romantic comedy that premiered at Sundance in January. It stars David Johnson and Vivian Opara as Dom and Yaz. They meet at an art show when she overhears him crying in a restroom stall over his lost ex. As it turns out, she's got her own busted relationship she's trying to recover from. They can both use a little help. They walk around South London, they talk, but they also sprinkle in a few capers that distract them and build a bond between them. The film was directed by Rain Allen Miller and written by Nathan Bryan and Tom Melia. All three are new or nearly new to making features, and they've made a big splash with this movie. It might remind you a little bit of Before Sunrise, but it's more broadly comedic. It might remind you of Starstruck. It reminded me a lot of Starstruck or Notting Hill. It's very much a city-set romantic adventure. It's streaming now on Hulu. Monica, how did you like Rye Lane? Oh, I enjoyed it so, so, so much. It's the kind of movie that feels effortless because the two leading actors are so fun to watch. But if you're also paying attention to what's happening in the background with the color palettes and the staging and even how they're using fisheye lenses to kind of up the playfulness of the humor, uh, there's so much going on that I was just riveted. Yeah. I really liked the uh, use of flashbacks in this film. There's a kind of unreality mm-hmm. when they start to tell each other stories from their lives. There's a I read a wonderful interview with the director where she talks about this and how 
you know, she wanted to make them really kind of exaggerated because when you tell your own stories, you are envisioning something sometimes more theatrical than what really happened. (laughs) Kate, what did you think of this film? I also really loved it. And I agree on the points that you and Monica have raised. I think it's an absolutely stunning film. I love how bright and colorful it is. Um, I read an interview with the director where she talked about being annoyed by the like the lazy comparison to Wes Anderson because of her style. But I think that to me, the closer analog is actually Chewing Gum yep. by Michaela Cole. I think that that has the same kind of unreal sense of reality. It makes this film so fun. I think that there's a very distinct kind of Black British sensibility that runs through both of those projects. And I really enjoyed watching it. As Monica said, that these leads are fantastic together. They have incredible chemistry. It's an absolutely lovely way to kind of see two people just realize over time that they're quite attracted to each other and that they want to make things work. And it's just a lovely heartfelt story. You know, it's fairly simple, but it gives you everything that you want out of a wonderful rom-com. And I honestly have no complaints. (laughs) I hear you. Aisha, how about you? Oh, Kate, I'm so glad you brought up Chewing Gum because the whole time I was watching, I was trying to place where where I was feeling the sensibility. And I had completely mm-hmm. forgotten about chewing gum. How I forgot about chewing gum, don't ask me. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but that's so right. And in terms of the bright colors, I think, you know, South London, there are ways that it can look and feel dreary and it's often very overcast. But even in the scenes where it's overcast, the costume designing and the way they're dressed and the way the characters pop against the screen, mm-hmm. it's just so fun and really beautiful to look at. I also love this film. Like, <laughs> it's just so delightful. And we're kind of in this rom-com revival in some ways, as some people had have described it uh, between, you know, last year especially, we had movies like Bros and Fire Island and bringing back our favorite rom-com stars of the old days, including Julia Roberts and George Clooney. But even though we're kind of using the same beats and there's even a very clever nod via cameo to one of the classic Mm -hmm. rom-coms of our era, (laughs) even though it's familiar, it still feels so fresh because the dialogue is sharp. I can imagine them, even if they weren't, uh, didn't wind up as a romantic couple or even if there wasn't that flirtation, I could still see them being like friends, becoming good friends. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to the way this entire uh, story plays out because it does get weird. It does get a little over the top. There are some things that the characters do that like in real life, you'd be like, that's illegal and that's not okay. (laughs) You would be considered the uh, sociopathic ex in the scenario. Mm. But they're just so charming and it's just so uh, delightful that again, like Kate, I I have no complaints. Like, I love this movie. Yeah. (laughs) When I started watching this movie, I really was sort of jarred by the fact that he starts the story, as we mentioned, crying in a bathroom stall and she hears him. He's very sort of sniffly and sad. And it's an extremely unusual position to start out the man in a heterosexual (laughs) rom-com. Everything all right in that? Yep. Fine. All right. Cool. And I read an interview with the director where, because she came into this project after the script already existed or a script already existed. 
And she's also a writer. She talked about how she originally felt like, no, I want to write whatever is going to be my first feature as a director. But then she got very charmed by this movie because she thought it was so charming. One of the things she talked about was making Yaz more, as she put it in her own word, dominant. And she talked about this dynamic in which you get kind of wisecracking, funny men and women who are sort of standing there being beautiful and... And it was really interesting to kind of interrogate my own reaction to the beginning of this, which is like, I don't know if I like this guy at the beginning. Like, he's so sad. (laughs) And I had a really interesting kind of talk with myself about like, do I think I would react the same way if this were a boy meets girl where she was crying in a bathroom stall? I think I still would up to a point. But it was very interesting to see how fresh of a way, particularly because it was him, how fresh of a way that felt to me to start a romantic comedy, particularly one that's very kind of concentrated all in one day like this. I also really loved how it did start talking about exes because that's such like a a dating no-no. You're not supposed to mention your exes and your like first couple meetings with a new person because you're not trying to bring in the baggage from old relationships. And here's like, no, this is what I, we're dealing with and we're dealing with it right now. Actually, it's still pretty hard to talk about the DR. Oh, so. okay, sorry, we don't. Actually... The bit that really hurts, I thought we were fine. We were better than fun. We moved in together. We had Hamilton tickets, stalls. It's a serious commitment. Right. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the beginning of the film, Linda, because I did not have those issues. I think perhaps that says something about me that my first instinct was that he was a poor, sad boy, and I felt bad for him. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> the dynamic between them that you raised about Yaz being the more dominant um, person in the pairing, I actually really enjoyed that specifically for many of those same reasons, because I think that it allowed not just for her to play in a new role as the female part of a heterosexual pairing, but it gave him the room to do some of the things that we often see women do in romantic comedies. Yep. There's so many times in this film where you can see him just like starting to blush because he's realizing that she likes him back. And it is just the most precious thing in the world. And it's not a role that you get to see men play very often. They're usually the ones pursuing and running behind their their loves. And this is the first time that I've seen in a while that you get to see the guy be the one who plays coy, who who doesn't know if they want to make the next step, the one who gets to be shy and reserved. And it's such a welcome change. And I, I think what's also interesting is that this is obviously not the first time we've seen a man be like distraught over a relationship and these types of things. Mm-hmm. I think of even just something like How I Met Your Mother, where like the whole <laughs> the whole concept of that show is that the lead is just like focused on finding the perfect woman. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way it manifests in that kind of show is very different from the way it manifests here, where he is pathetic. He is kind of (laughs) sad. But as the movie goes on, and I think what's so great about David Johnson, who you might recognize if you've watched HBO's Industry, he plays Gus on that show. I think they're two very different characters, but there's a way in which David Johnson's face gets kind of a little smirk or like Mm -hmm. this curled lip that is just so adorable. And he kind of looks (laughs) at you kind of sideways. And when he exchanges those looks with um, Yaz, it's just like the sparks are there. And Mm -hmm. and I really, really loved it. And I, I think that 
we're seeing so many different ways of what masculinity can look like, especially amongst younger generations. And I think that is part of what makes this so fresh and what makes it feel so different from other rom-coms because we're seeing this like dynamic play out almost in reverse in some ways. But then we also learn that Yaz is, you know, she has her own problems to deal with. So it's like this faux confidence in a way um, that she needs to kind of work through. And, and that's also super relatable as well. Ryan Lane kind of reminded me a little bit of classic Hollywood in a way. Like you were mentioning how Yaz is a bit more dominant. That kind of triggered memories of like Catherine Hepburn in the Philadelphia story or even Barbara Stanwyck in The Lady Eve. Mm, and there's, yeah. I think, a little bit of um, it happened one night in the way that these two characters come together under unlikely circumstances and then they really hit it off and it's a tight, tight frame. Um, a lot of rom-coms tend to build on like a shared history, like, oh, these are exes getting back together or maybe, um, you know, this is a, a long relationship building up to something. But this is the spark has to happen on screen and it has to sustain itself within a, a finite amount of time, which is mm -hmm. where that um, before sunrise comparison comes up. But I think they do it and they do it so well. So th I think that's why I was so thrilled that it reminded me of these, you know, headstrong women, but are also, you know, very much in love um, and was just so thrilled by the emotions that it brought up in me. Yeah. And I haven't felt this charmed by a movie since maybe To All the Boys I Loved Before or even maybe Heartstopper on Netflix. It was the first thing I'd seen that really kind of gave me that like fun, giddy, this is adorable feeling. <laughs> and the way that it's structured, it would have to be. I think everything lives and dies on whether or not those two can really demonstrate that there's something bubbling under there. Yeah, there are some really kind of nicely sharp and somewhat silly comedic elements of this film that I really, really enjoyed. Kareem Peter and Benjamin Sarpong Brony, who play uh, his ex and her new boyfriend, they have a scene in a restaurant where I just thought they were both so funny. He in particular. Yeah. yeah. Really, that is a potentially thankless part in a lot of stories. It's not uncommon for the exes and their new partners in a movie like this to be played for comedy. I think in some ways this film presents things the way they feel to you mm -hmm. rather than necessarily the way they literally are. And that's mm -hmm. true with the flashbacks. But I also think it's true of that scene in the restaurant, you get the feeling that like, this is how the ex and her boyfriend would feel to you. Mm -hmm. You kind of sense that like, maybe if you went back and had like a documentary version of that scene, mm -hmm. they might not be quite like that. But it's very good at this is how they feel to you. And it's how they feel to both Dom and Yaz, which is one of the things that kind of brings that commonality to them, I think. Yeah, that character, Eric, also, he reminds me of the James Marsden character in, like, any given situation. No. He's, he's, he's dim-witted. He's, like, very <laughs> handsome. And he's just happy to be here. Like Chris Maloney in Runaway Bride yeah. is another yes. one. He's just the resident himbo. Like, that is his function in the story. <laughs> yes, yes. And what you said, Linda, about the feel of it, I think that also just translates to the feel of this part of London and the way mm -hmm. it, it really just, like, immerses itself in the you know, very heavily Afro-Caribbean community, 
just the characters, the artistic world, how a lot of these people are, are, are in the arts or arts adjacent. And just the sense that like, even when a character shows up only for one scene, whether it's like her aunt or her ex, uh, they have like this distinct feel to them and they are just kind of burned in your memory um, in a way that I think makes this not just great because of these two characters, but also the world around them just feels so real. And I think, you know, the Wes Anderson comparisons I didn't get that at all. Like, I, I see. No, that yeah, never no. occurred to me. I was thinking, oh, this feels like, I mean, Spike Lee could also yeah. be low hanging fruit. But like the way he makes New York City and Brooklyn especially mm-hmm. feels, this is what it feels like. That's what I was getting from it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I mean, I don't know if this would offend her for me to say so, but I think that the Spike Lee influences are extremely strong. But I think that that brings something special to it because like you said she's applying that frame to an entirely different city that has its own quirks its own contours and I think that the result we get is different enough that it is still distinctly her own perspective not everybody who applies intentionality to their visual style is Wes Anderson (laughs) that's just thank you like he can't just own that (laughs) other people do too (laughs) yeah that that's really interesting to me but I think like it's funny that you say that Aisha because apparently when the script was originally written it was said in North London and she, the director was the one who wanted to set it in South London and I think the directorial passion for that setting translates very clearly into the final product and it's not that the passion of a writer cannot also translate into the product. But I think part of the reason that you get such a a really terrific visual presentation of this film, not because of Wes Anderson, (laughs) (laughs) Is her very specific intent and desire to represent the setting where the film ended up. Yeah, because I think one of the other things that really stood out to me in this film is the lighting. I think we get, especially in these um, fantasy sequences, we get a lot of really stark lighting, a lot of bisexual lighting. <laughs> but it's it's very much in, done in a way that it's clear that it is meant to present our characters in their best light visually. So we get all of these shots of these beautiful blues and purples and pinks reflecting off of their skin, generally speaking, you don't see a lot of that creativity around lighting black skin, or at least that has not been my experience. And I think that I really enjoyed the specific effort to use lighting in that way with black skin to tell a visual story that would not have been possible if people weren't additionally paying attention to how that medium can be used in a film like this. Yeah. And I think it's interesting in light of that, sorry, light literally of that, Mm -hmm. that you do find these characters initially in an art gallery at an art Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And it sort of makes its commitment to an interest in art and visuals from the outset. It's a really interesting balance because the art that they're there to look at is sort of maybe funny, (laughs) very intimate in its presentation of the physical form of a human. I'll just say that. (laughs) I kind of wanted to build off of that and talk about like the production design, because in, in addition to the lighting and the costuming that we've mentioned before, there's patterns in the walls of the houses that they go into mm-hmm. that make them pop even more. The number of conversations that went into like color coordinate everything within the scene is really quite astounding in addition to everything that's playing out in front of the camera. Yeah, and you mentioned the costumes because I think one of the fun things that I liked about this is that Yaz's kind of totem is this bright pink bag that she carries and I want to say pretty much every scene. It really just gives you a a reason to go directly to her. I mean, she's also wearing, I think it's like a yellow raincoat for most of the film as well. And it creates this like 
flashing siren that you were meant to look at her and to pay attention to her in the scene. And I think that that also reflects the way that Dom feels in those moments because she is his total focus. And this is a very hyper real experience for him because these kinds of things don't happen to him. It's probably worth noting that the costume designer is Cynthia Lawrence John and the DP is Olan Collarday. Yeah, I think it was really fun for me to see this film and see that you can take a really simple story you can still bring a lot of interesting stuff into it. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to know what you think about Rye Lane. Again, it is on Hulu now. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Aisha Harris, Kate Young, Monica Castillo, thanks so much for being here. This is really fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet, you want to show your support, and you'd like to listen to this show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode is produced by Candice Lim and edited by Mike Katzeff. Our supervising producer is Jessica Reedy, and Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with their original podcast, Choiceology. Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.